0: whole chicken is one of the most economical things you can bring into your kitchen. When I heard Jamie Waldron, who is a butcher, I really admire say that I knew we had to sit down and talk about whole chicken. So today that's what we're going to talk about the chicken, the whole chicken and nothing but the chicken. It is one of the most economical things you can bring into your kitchen. And when I heard Joel Salatin say, you can buy my whole premium pasture raised chicken for less than Walmart boneless, skinless breast. I had to do some digging and guess what? He's right. So today we're going to show you how you can use and afford awesome humanely raised nutritious chicken. Welcome to the Ancestral Kitchen Podcast with Allison, a European town dweller in Central Italy and Andrea living on a newly created family farm in Northwest Washington State, USA. Pull up a chair at the table and join us as we talk about eating, cooking, and living with ancient ancestral food wisdom in a modern world kitchen. Good morning, Allison. Good afternoon, Andrea. Today we are going to talk about chicken, whole chicken, Yum. nothing but the chicken. <laughs>
1: Everything about chicken. All Be prepared. the chicken.
0: This is <laughs> one of the most economical things you can bring into your kitchen. That is something Jamie Waldron said. He's a butcher that I really admire and he teaches mm-hmm. a lot of um, great skills for home butchers to have and buying this amazing meat you know, we think about the highest quality possible meat that chicken can be. It doesn't have to be inaccessible. So today my goal on this podcast is to (laughs) sell everybody on, first of all, the fact that they can get the chicken, but secondly, that you can do it easily in your own kitchen. So before we start though, I do want to
1: know what you had for lunch. It's always something delicious. Yeah, I had a left mismatch of leftovers, you know, mm. sometimes it's just a leftovers day and um, yeah. and I kind of like leftovers day because I get Me to too. have all lots of different flavours and kind of mix it up. Uh-huh. And so um, there was a little bit of mackerel left in the fridge, so that was on my plate and then there were some lentils that I'd cooked earlier in the week with lots of spices and garlic and ginger and turmeric, some of those on my plate two different breads because I ran out of one halfway through. I had a spelt um, sourdough and a lectin-free sourdough which is millet and sorghum, both of them with lard on. And then we're still on the cabbage vegetables here so I had some broccoli which we cooked yesterday and I put some of that on my plate and I have some olive oil that I put some fresh rosemary in about six months ago and I drained it last week. And so then I poured the rosemary olive oil over the um, lentils and the fish and the broccoli and enjoyed it outside in the sun. Ooh, yum. I like the outside in the sun. You know, Charlotte Mason Mm. said,
0: whenever possible, meals should be taken al fresco.
1: (laughs) I think she's right. I think she's right. So your breakfast wasn't al fresco.
0: No, it wasn't. (laughs) Thank goodness. it would have been freezing fresco. (laughs) What did you have? Uh, Just eggs. Hang on, I gotta move this microphone for a second. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. Just eggs and sauerkraut. I had some coffee with cream. Um, Yeah, pretty boring breakfast, but I just needed some protein in me to get started on chores
1: early. And your eggs from your chickens, yeah?
0: Yes. So delicious.
1: So delicious. Good, good. Before we dive into the chicken, I want to welcome a new patron. Um welcome Carolyn Ker- lark, who um when I first started talking to her, I thought with with her beautiful name she perhaps was from the u k but she um her mum gave her that beautiful name and she lives in the states so she's nearer you than me thank no you way. ever so much for coming on, Carolyn. we've now got twelve patrons, and thank you to each and every one of them for their continued support Absolutely. and um Yeah, I know that they're enjoying everything that we put on the Patreon feed. And we, yeah, we really appreciate you. So thank you. And thank you, Carol, for joining us. Thank you, guys. And thank you for the feedback on the Patreon feed, too, because that
0: helps us tailor what we put up there. So Mm. we, Alison and I have been having some awesome, fun discussions about things to put up there. So you'll be seeing some fun, fun new content soon. Yeah. All right, Allison. this is something that I've wanted to talk about for a long time. And I know you keep bending my ear about it. (laughs) So finally, I got a slot. (laughs) (laughs) So today's the day. So whole chicken. I'm really excited Mm. to talk about this because one of the things that people say all the time, and I definitely would have been somebody who said this was, oh, I can't afford yeah, organic meat or pastured meat, or, you know, somebody would say, oh, we'll get a whole chicken. And I would think I what? like, how, like that now, what do I do with it? You know, there's in the beginning when I first got whole chicken, I mean, I had been married for two months or something and I switched to using whole chickens and we didn't eat a whole chicken in a day. So, you know, what are you supposed to do with that much chicken? And, um, so I had to learn. So this is a good conversation to be having. And I know that, There's plenty of us out there who don't feel totally at ease using the whole chicken or um, feel like it might be a lot of extra work. So I just want to put all those concerns to rest and encourage everybody um, to get some good nutritious chicken. So we'll talk a little bit about that as we go as well. Why Mm -hmm. I think it's better to get the pasture raised ones.
1: Awesome. Okay. So
0: Allison, do you I know you do, but I'm
1: going to ask for the sake of the podcast,
0: do you buy whole chicken? And what does it cost over
1: there in Europe or U.S.? Yeah, Um, so I don't really buy anything other than whole chickens. Um, And it just seems to make sense to me because um they're they're really quite easy to handle once you get used to it. So my farmer sells his chickens whole and his chickens are free range. He's not certified organic, but I'm really happy with what he's feeding his chickens. Yeah. And I did I I looked at how much he charges and I looked at a few other places uh, kind of for European prices. We do our prices in kilograms here. So my farmer Um, charges just over £9.50 for a kilogram for a whole chicken. And I looked at some other whole chickens um, that were in the UK. There's one at Piper's Farm, which is about the same, £9.12 for a kilogram. And then Riverford, quite a well-known supplier, their organic certified chickens are £10.15 Um, British pounds per kilo. So they're kind of coming out about nine or 10 pounds a kilo. And then if you go to the supermarket, you can get a whole organic chicken there for 7.75 a kilo, a free range, but not Mm -hmm. organic chicken for 5.35. And then I cringe at the next one, a whole chicken for 2.26 pounds a kilo. So I just have no idea how someone could, raise a chicken and pay the people properly and feed that chicken for £226 per kilo, which obviously they don't. so They don't pay the farmer well and they don't look after the chicken, (laughs) but, but you can buy one. And then the other really interesting thing was to see when you separate that chicken and you go and you look for breast or thigh on their own that are organic, they are whoppingly expensive. So both of them, the breast and the thigh, to buy them separately organic, were around £18.50 a kilo. So that is double what my farmer charges me for a whole chicken and double per kilo, virtually, what you can buy an organic whole chicken for. Um, And, you know, breasts and thighs are so popular and lots of people cook with breasts and lots of people buy breasts And they are paying Uh twice as much for that per kilo in the UK um, than they need to be doing, which just kind of shocked me. I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's the same in the States. What's your research and learning on prices? It's actually very, very similar. It was
0: interesting looking at your numbers because I had you send me your numbers before. Mm. Um, And your prices, what your farmer sells is almost exactly like to the penny what our prices are over here for the same um, quality of product. So I thought that was interesting. Um, So a fresh free range whole chicken at the store. And I say free range in quotes, because I don't know if people, I'm just going to, I'm not going to make a separate section to talk about the health of the bird, but I'm just going to add it in as we go, as it's relevant. So I'm going to tell you in free range to use that term legally, you can have a thousand birds in a huge confinement cage with a one foot door in the corner and like a three foot pen outside and that means they have access to outside like you'll see that on packages access to the outdoors yeah the chicken could go outside Mm -hmm. never does because chickens don't you know do that they're not gonna like no it's your turn two o'clock go take your circle around the yard
1: like that's not gonna happen you know that's similar to what's happening in the UK because when I went to the Piper's Farm website they had a big thing about proper free range chicken. This is, Uh you know, properly free range. And so I think the same thing with labeling is happening in the UK where it's, you know, people want to feel like they're doing the right thing and the supermarkets want to market it to people like that. And so they're just sticking this label on it. And it's not what people think it is when they buy it.
0: Yeah. And, and to that end, I want to say, just so everybody's really aware, there's a ton of terms that have been, I'll say co-opted by, um, you know, certifying and labeling organizations. You alluded to earlier that um, your farmer is not certified organic. And what that means is for a farmer to be certified organic over here can be literally hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of paperwork. And um, the margins on a farm have to be so big to make that um, you know, come out in the wash that yeah. any small farm, like the small farm where I was getting all my produce from when we lived down in town, um, a couple of years ago, they lost their organic certification because the um increased cost was as big of a farm as that is with an almost year-round market, the cost could not be covered by their margins. And all of us as customers said, we don't care. We know your standards are so far beyond organic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say to those organizations you can take away the words like organic or certified organic or free range and make it something that you need you know a special um, you know piece of paperwork to put on your package but that's fine. We'll leave those words in the dust and we'll just start using words like biodynamic and mm-hmm. and when people can see like you'll see that, these organizations are making money off of those names. Um, They'll like, they'll they'll see, oh, look, those farmers are selling their food and they're putting on their package, like first certified organic was the thing. And so then farmers started saying, well, mine's free range and Mm. um, pasture raised. So then those terms get co-opted, right? So then we just, we just dodge those words. It's whack-a-mole, move the target. So use like agroecological and watershed friendly and, And
1: participatory environmentalism. The the point is to get to know your farmer. (laughs) Exactly. Build the relationship. Yeah. Don't pay attention to something that's been stamped on a a label and put on a shelf. Get to know your farmer. And then all these questions just fall aside because you know how they're treating their animals. Exactly.
0: So I want to say look
1: at the
0: label that you see at the store and give it 0% 0% of your trust. I would even yeah. like, I would go so far as to say, I don't even know if buying an organic chicken in the store is any better. Like I, I truly don't because it's going to go through the same toxic processes. It's breathing in the same fecal matter. Like maybe it's not GMO, but I don't know that I would necessarily say it would be any better for you. I don't know. So fresh free range whole chicken, um, 269 us dollars a pound um, they're averaging mm-hmm. about five pounds in the store, so you're running about fourteen dollars for a whole chicken in the store. That's pretty stinking cheap. So, mm-hmm. um, but fresh free range chicken breast, same brand, eight dollars a pound. So wow. for a you know one and three quarters pound package, you're paying about fourteen dollars. Um, for the USDA organic whole chicken, it's only a dollar more per pound, three sixty nine in U.S. dollars. So you're paying about nineteen dollars a chicken instead of $14 for the organic breast, you're paying $9 a pound instead of $8 a pound. Mm -hmm. So I looked at some local farms. We've actually priced out what our own birds would have to go for. Um, So Osprey Hill Farm is a really fantastic farm around here. It's where we bought all of our chicken before we started raising our own because they have great standards and they're um, organically raised. <laughs> I didn't say certified organic. Um, and they are whole chickens, they're about uh five dollars and eighty cents a pound. And then their breast is ten dollars and twenty-five cents a pound. Okay. So um it's going to cost more than the factory raised chicken, and you will need less of it to get your nutritional content, I will say. Yeah. And you also won't get the same kind of nutrients. I like, I'm just telling you right now, you literally don't get the same nutrients out of like a factory farmed pig lard versus a pig that lived under the sun. You don't get the same out of a chicken that ate, um, you know, antibiotic saturated feed in a factory and breathed in her own poop all day long. than you will from a chicken that like ate bugs and roamed under the sun and was converting sunlight into uh, vitamin D, like it's not the same thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, polyface farms. So if you're thinking, yeah, polyface, that's all well and good, Mr. Salatin, that you have these standards for pasteurized chicken, but I can't afford to buy your chicken. His chicken is $4 and 85 cents a pound for whole. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's half the price of the breast meat in the store.
1: So that's basically what we're finding both sides of the Atlantic, that the mm-hmm. the breast meats, if you buy them separately, which a lot of people do in supermarkets, are double the price of buying a whole chicken. Yeah. Yep. That's astounding.
0: Um, And what's interesting is I was thinking about this when I was looking at the birds and I was thinking the more processing it goes through, so like the store chicken, like it's cheaper, which is weird. Does that make any sense? The birds that you get from your local farm has so much less processing. They're handled less. less yeah. water was used. There's less waste. And I this has been heavy on my mind, and I know yours too, Allison. But um, when chickens are raised in a factory, think about all the waste that a chicken produces. I mean, there's a ton of nitrogen that comes out the back end of a chicken and ask me how I know I've slipped <laughs> in it, <laughs> but, um, in a factory, all of that nitrogen that the chickens leave on the ground, all of their infected bedding, um, and then all of the water, the toxic water and chlorine and chemicals and things that depending on the factory, what the chickens are bathed in as they're, um, slaughtered and, um, all the fecal matter that ends up in the sludge at the bottom of that water and all of that. That is all literally considered toxic waste and has to be disposed of somewhere. But what's bizarre is right next to it, you'll have a field so desolate of nitrogen that it's literally when you see them turn it in the spring it'll be like dry clods and you'll see like dust blowing across it and and it mm. won't retain water and it will flood and um and i don't know it's just weird you're like mm. what and joel Salatin says there is no such thing as an animal ecology and we we definitely see that in action because what we've done is we've separated plant yeah. farming and animal farming yeah. we've made them mutually exclusive and you When somebody says there's just not enough land mass to support enough, you know, chickens and beef for everybody in the U.S. or wherever you are. That just doesn't make any sense because you think about, you know, 120 years ago, James Audubon sitting underneath a tree saying, for over 24 hours, the sky was black. I never even saw the sun with the flocks of birds flying overhead, migrating, yes, migrating, moving back and forth, you know, dropping the nitrogen in different parts of the country. And and then when people came out to you know our Midwest area when westerners came out there and they said oh the fields were black with buffalo you know millions of buffalo and all these things and you're like okay what you've done though is separate those two things and they can both coexist but um in the pasture raised model of birds you are constantly moving your birds across grass and you're incorporating our nitrogen into your soil yeah versus separating it into a huge giant container and now having toxic waste to get (sighs) rid of
1: yeah
0: i'm breathing now allison so it's your turn (laughs) (laughs)
1: oh and i'm sighing internally (laughs) i know i know something that i
0: i learned from joel salston was he said did you know Whenever you know back whenever avian flu first kind of became a thing he said that in Europe, they were really keen to discover, you know, instead of just, you know, saying we must get rid of birds. He said, let's, they said, let's figure out what, what we can do about this. And a quiet little study was done where they found that just two blades of grass a day made a chicken immune to avian flu, gave it those diverse nutrients and the chlorophyll and the things it needs, but they're never going to get that in a factory model, not in a hundred years. And so, um, if somebody tells you like, oh no, avian flu, I saw a headline the other day that said avian flu is, is striking, but only to backyard farms. I was like, that's garbage. That's literally garbage. Like it's a factory disease. Like it's, it's not a pasture poultry thing. So that was kind of funny. All right. So why, um, I also wanted to mention Allison the I know we talked a little bit the other day about like soy feed and things like that on one of the Patreon episodes. Um, So birds are not a ruminant. They don't digest their food multiple times. So they have a harder time digesting things like soy and corn, um, which is not to say they can never eat them. But um, that is the primary diet of most of the birds raised in America. I don't know about other parts of the world, but I know in America, Mm -hmm. that's the primary diet. It is actually a challenge to find ration right now. Ration is what they call the food that you supplement your pasture bird with. So it's mm-hmm. hard to find enough without soy and corn and wait for it. Drum roll. Our birds have been getting a soy based feed for the past two months because nowhere, nobody has it. Nobody, nobody has it. And I'm like panicking. I'm like, Gary, I don't, I, I can't, you know, he's, people are like, we want to buy your eggs. I'm like, I can't sell these. They're not up to snuff. But um, they're still I, a thousand times better than what you get at the grocery store. But it frustrates yeah. me because it's, I, I guess, what I want to see is maybe more people using non soy feeds for their birds yeah. because manufacturers will respond to that. Um, and they will adapt
1: that's true of everything if if we ask for things Mm -hmm. if we ask the market for things the market has to provide for things so completely i
0: mean we've been driving since the beginning we've been driving a couple hours away to pick up the feed and every week we've been calling and they're like we don't have it yet we don't have it yet um so there's shortages on a lot of things and that's one of the things that's just not coming in is so gary's like i think we're just gonna have to make our own feed now because this can't go on Mm. so um, that involves a whole nother level of self-education. So good luck, but, but the, the soy and the corn does turn up in your chicken meat and your eggs as um, polyunsaturated fat, which if you spent 10 minutes in the Western Hay price world, you know, is the one to avoid or to have an extremely minimal amount. It's just, just not native to most of our diets.
1: Yeah, um, so if you when you build your relationship with the farmer, ask the farmer yeah, what you're feeding ask. your chicken. Um, because I've also it, noticed it really makes a difference to mm-hmm. to the nutrition of the meat and the fat that you're taking in from the chicken.
0: Exactly. Do you remember on that polyface or not polyface episode, but the episode you and I did for the Patreon where we talked about polyface a little bit. Mm. And I said that he still uses a soy feed, which I yeah. thought was interesting, but he has also adapted to the customer. And I noticed on their website, they sell both. You can get a non soy turkey mm. and a non soy chicken. Okay. So I'm hoping that he's experimenting with that and that he'll publish some
1: ration um, ratios yeah. that we can copy. Yeah. Cause that would be fantastic. So let's get on to what to do with a chicken, and um, I know you you have got more information on me and how to bone a chicken when it's raw before you're cooking. So um, share that with us. Okay. So
0: yes and no. I don't bone it necessarily, but I hmm. but I can cut it into pieces. So okay. Okay. Um, I don't usually do that because what I tend to do is I cook the chicken whole, and then I shred the meat off, and I use the meat for things.
1: Yeah, that's the same thing.
0: That's what I do. It's an easy way to make, I guess we'll add that as a budgetary note. That's one way to make the meat go farther. Instead of giving everybody a huge piece of meat, cut it up or shred it up and use it in something, you know, like in your lentils that you had for lunch or something, you could mix some shredded meat. Whereas if you had a whole piece of a chicken, it would be gone in two days if you each ate a whole piece. Mm. Um, And you tend to need more, bone broth with meat just for those amino acids to digest. So go back and listen Mm. to the bone broth episode if that, um, if you need more info on that, but there's a couple different ways to cut up a chicken, like anything. And the way I learned how to do it was the same way I learned to do a pig. I found a video on YouTube and then I got the animal and dropped it on the table in front of me and watched the video and cut along with them and paused and did it you know, over and over. I actually got a few chicken at that time. And I thought, okay, if I have three chickens next to me, then I have plenty of room for mistakes and learn on YouTube. So Mm -hmm. then I also learned from my good friend, Beryl, and she's from the Luya tribe in Kenya, and they're famous for eating chicken. And I had asked her one time, Um, Oh, Hey, can you show me how you cut up a chicken? And she's like, sure. I can come show you how I cut up a chicken. And I said, what do you do with the, like the chicken frame, like the bones afterwards? She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, you know, after you cut off all the pieces and then there's the bones, (laughs) she's like, I do not understand what you're saying. Like, there's nothing left. I was like, Oh, you know what I mean? Like the the middle piece, like the breastbone and the, she's like, I I'm so confused. I'll show you how I cut up the chicken. And then you tell me. So she gets this whole chicken, puts it on the table between us out on the farm, cuts it up. And there's not a scrap left. I'm like, what, what? what?" So she cuts up a chicken and you know what, Alison, I'm, I'm making a video for the Patreon for this because I looked and I looked on the internet mm. to try and find a video to share with everybody. Like, look, this
1: is how you do it the right way. Couldn't find one. but So she, is that the way you do your chickens all the time now if you cut them before you cook them? Yes. If I cut a chicken, that's the way I do it. And why is it better that way? Well,
0: I don't know if I would necessarily say one is better in a sense, but like you, you know, do what works for your family. Um, Mm. whichever one works for you is better for you. But what she taught me was when she cuts up a chicken, she does it the most unique way. Instead of saying we cut off all the breast and then we have like a breastbone in the back left. Instead, she she splits it down the breastbone and then she leaves some of the breast on when she cuts it off. And then some of that goes to the wing and some of the breast goes to the backbone. Mm-hmm. And, and then she cuts the backbone in half and there's a little bit of the oyster left on the bottom half of the backbone, you know, so she does it so that every piece when she's done has the same amount of meat. It's totally mind blowing. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, how come nobody does it this way? And I've looked online. I've never seen it done like that online but she prefers that because then she can divide it between the whole family everybody gets a piece everybody gets meat and almost everybody gets some joints to
1: chew on and suck the marrow out of the bones and things like that Mm. so you're going to do a video on the patreon showing how to cut that up and then what we'll also do is link the standard ways of cutting Mm -hmm. up some of the youtube videos that you used originally that people can get to um as well. Wonderful. Okay, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that video because Good. I'm not um an expert on cutting chickens before cooking. Like I told mm-hmm. you, I cook them whole and then split them up later. Um mm-hmm. so I would really like to give it a go to see how you can share out those different types of meat because Gabriel's always saying, Oh, I want a bit of the thigh, I want a bit of this, and Gabe yeah, Rob yeah. prefers the thigh and the leg and it would be really cool to be able to cut one up so that each portion had a little bit of each type of meat so um mm-hmm. yeah i'm going to try it when I, when you put that video up yeah good wonderful can you talk about the slow cooker side since i don't yeah. usually use a slow cooker so let, let let's talk about cooking the chickens now so um
0: mm-hmm.
1: very i sometimes i roast my chickens and sometimes i put them in the slow cooker So slow cooker, I think you call it a crock pot. Um, And I most often do it with water because I want the broth. And I like the meat broth or meat stock that comes from it. You know, when you put a whole chicken in the slow cooker, you've got all the juices from the meat. It's not the same as putting the carcass Mm -hmm. into into a stock pot and making broth with that it's a different type of a different nutrient profile and different flavor so usually what I will do is just take literally the whole chicken make sure that they're you know I've I've put my hand inside to make sure they haven't hidden any of the innards inside (laughs) put it in right and then I will put in a carrot and an onion to help give some sweetness to the water and then sometimes I will put seaweed in sometimes I'll put salt in and sometimes I'll put some bits from the freezer like garlic skins and tops of carrots that I've had in the freezer and then I will cook it all day and the one might say the downside of that is when you take it out of the water it falls apart but I don't kind of consider that a downside because that's what I'm going for when I do that (laughs) the meat is so you know nothing gets dry that way And Mm -hmm. I can take it out and it does fall apart a bit, but it's so tender and so soft and so juicy. And then I strain the broth and and I have a, a meat stock as well. So that's my favourite way of doing it in the slow cooker. Um, you can also do it in the slow cooker without water. And I've done that once or twice. And it kind of just becomes like an oven then in the same thing that it's a cavity that's heated up just like your oven would be. But the chicken usually fits mm-hmm. quite neatly inside it. And so that that's the way I've done it a few times as well. Um, but usually I do the water version or I cook in the oven. Um do you want me to talk about how I do the oven? Or do you want to yes. talk about the stove cooker a bit? Okay, I'll talk about my No, oven no, way. you talk about the oven. So the oven, I just do it as simply as I possibly can, really. I try and remember to get the chicken out of the fridge before I put it in the oven, because it's better for it to be at room temperature before it goes in the oven. And then in order to make the skin crispy, which everyone likes in our house, I put some things on the skin before I put it in. Sometimes I'll rub butter into it. Sometimes I rub oil into it. And then I'll put liberal amounts of salt, some pepper and then depending on how I'm feeling I'll put rosemary on it, I'll put thyme on it, sometimes I'll put lemon juice, squeeze lemon over it and then put the rest of the lemon inside the cavity before I put it in and then I'll roast it with the temperature high for a little while and then turn it down. And I just do it until the juices run clear. I do have a thermometer, but I don't usually use it. Often I will chop up onions and put them in the bottom of the roasting pan around the chicken because then all the juices come off that chicken and they go into those onions and the onions caramelize a bit. And the, the flavor, mm-hmm. of the sweetness of the onion with mm-hmm. the juices of the chicken is gorgeous. Sometimes I'll put carrots and sweet potatoes and, you know, parsnips and turnips and everything and I'll rest the chicken on top of it. Generally, I don't. If I haven't got vegetables, I'll put the chicken straight on the bottom of the roasting pan so I don't lift it up off the bottom. And then when it's done, I'll take it out, let the juices drain into the pan. Sometimes I make gravy with the juices, but most often I just plate out the dinner and use a spoon and take the juice and the fat out of the bottom of that roasting pan and spoon it over the veg and spoon it over the chicken. And what's left, Mm. I'll put in a little cup and let it set and that will be kind of fat for us to spread on bread and dripping for us to have on bread oh, later yes. in the week. Just delicious. I am um, I would say my weakness um with oven cooking chicken is that I'm not great at carving chicken. I'm I, one day I will watch a YouTube video <laughs> and I will learn how to do it <laughs> properly. Um but um sometimes it carves more easily than others. Sometimes I struggle a little bit with um getting the legs out um but right really I mean it, it tastes the same it tastes wonderful mm-hmm. and so I um yeah most often I roast and and we love the crispy skin and we love the, the way the fat comes off and flavors everything else and then we love the fact that we've got a whole chicken that we can just use and I don't right. have to worry worry about cooking for like you know yep. five days it's wonderful
0: yeah. I love having that cooked meat. And like you said, when it, um, falls off, if you cook it in the slow cooker, that's exactly mm-hmm. what I want. And then like you said, with carving the whole chicken is just cutting up a chicken. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, you can do it when it's raw, you can do it when it's cooked. Um, and it's all the same. So.
1: Uh, watch your video? And then I'll, I'll learn something. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I like, yeah. um, I like the fact that when you roast it, you know, it's, it's all kind of there and then I usually wait for it to cool and then I will put it in the fridge whole. Sometimes I'll take it all off. If I've got time after dinner, I'll sit there and I'll take everything off the carcass and I'll kind of separate out the thigh and the breast because the breast is better for some recipes and, you know, the, the thigh is better for others. But most often, after dinner, I'm busy doing something else and so I just let the chicken cool yeah, And then I will put it in a container and put it in the fridge and mm-hmm. it just stays like that. And the next day we take it out and I can slice some breast off and I can put it with a salad and some bread for lunch or I can take a drumstick off and give it to Gabriel for his supper or I can take a drumstick and a thigh off and take all the meat off and put it in with some leftover veg. Sometimes I'll make yeah. a curry with it. Um, often when I make curry, I, I use a mix of the breast and the thigh because, you know, the breast goes well when you put it in with something kind of extra juicy as a leftover. Yeah. Um, but the, the darker meat gives that depth. So sometimes i make mm-hmm. a curry with um, some nice spices or I'll heat it up in the cast iron pan with some cavallonero and some um, onions and garlic. And it, or it's just, if it's a busy week, I'll just take the chicken out, slice them up, put it on the plate, put the rest of lunch on the plate. Yeah. And there's dinner for five days in a row. You know, yeah. it's just wonderful. So one chicken doesn't last us that far in that way,
0: but um, we do make it last through quite a bit by mixing it into things rather than everybody having okay. a huge chunk of meat. We, you know, we'll mix it into something. And that's another note we should add, Allison, for sheer convenience sake. And if you're trying to eat, you know, a, a less pre-processed food, Get your chickens and cook them at one end of the week. That's what we do for sure. And Gary butchered 16 um, old hens and roosters on uh, last week. And I cooked them all, you know, Mm. within two days, I had them all cooked because I was like, why am I just going to take all the time and effort and room to freeze these when I can just throw them all? I put them into like every roasting pan and kettle that I had. And exactly like you said, I love that initial meat stock. That is my mm-hmm. favorite one. Um, and then, so uh, basically just imagine and put six chicken, they're they're small. So they're not, you know, five pound okay. chickens. These so are like little layers and things like that. So I put them in a big kettle. I threw in all a mishmash of what I had. Our herbs are starting to leaf out. So I put in handfuls of rosemary and sage and thyme and I had a little bit of celery. So I threw some of that in, I had some onions. So I just cut them in half and threw them in um, and then cooked it overnight, like turned it on kind of like before bed. And then in the morning, like I told you, I do, I turn it off in the morning and it cools down. So by around lunchtime, I can strain everything out and handle the chicken, shred all the meat off all in one go. I shred Mm -hmm. it all into a big pile. Then I just stuff it into quart-sized containers and I pour mm. broth over it to cover and freeze that. So now ah, you've got all these quarts okay. of cooked shredded meat and a quart is um, about 400 grams of meat not packed tightly. I don't know if you can hear the kids but they're waking up so <laughs> about 400 grams of meat so um, that's a plenty decent to make.
1: You know, I love the meal. idea of putting broth over it and then freezing mm-hmm. it like that. So when you defrost mm-hmm. it, you've got that. You're not yeah. only is the is the meat protected, but you've got the broth there as well to use in whatever dish you're doing. That's that's genius.
0: Yeah, if you're if you're making like a stew or chicken and dumplings or something, you just take that frozen container and oh, dump the whole and brick in. <laughs> Yeah, mm. that's that's where um, chicken dumplings came from, was your stewing hens and your old roosters. They're kind of tough really? and they need to cook a little longer. Yeah. So we came up with the chicken and dumplings, you know, because it can cook and cook and bubble and bubble and boil
1: mm. <laughs> in <Yeah. and> trouble. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Should we talk about the other bits that kind of come with the chicken? Yeah, The extra bits. <laughs> the, bits the bonus the bits. bits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. You tell me about so- your head and... Yeah, so we've got um, the head and the feet. If possible, I like to put in broth because they mm -hmm, just impart such wonderfulness to a broth. So I always ask for the feet and I will put them in a broth and I like to put the head in the broth. I did a recipe um, a couple of weeks ago where I stuffed a head, which was quite interesting. So the head was off of the chicken and I pulled the skin back up I detached the neck bones from inside and then I boiled that, the neck, with some um, leftover kind of veggie bits. So I had a bit Mm. of froth there. And then I picked the meat off the neck and I fried up the um, bag of innards. So I had lungs, heart, liver and kidneys. I chopped those up, fried them up with some onions and celery and carrot. And then mixed them in with the chicken neck meat and um, some breadcrumbs and an egg and it was kind of like a stuffing and I then shoved all that back inside the chicken's neck, (laughs) sewed it up (laughs) and cooked it in water in the broth and then it was able to be sliced and it was it was finickety but it was a really nice way to use those um, innards and the neck in a way that created something that just it looked really nice when you sliced it and tasted absolutely gorgeous yeah, yeah. with all the other things in it as well, and cooked in the broth so i I did that I don't usually do that, but that's an option. Usually, what I do is again dictated by kind of time in that we get the liver and the kidney and the lungs and the heart, and I will put them in a separate bag and freeze them and then you know there there comes a day where I'm here on my own for lunch and I kind of look around and there's not anything, and I think, oh, I've got that little bag in the freezer. I'll pop that out and then I will fry up the um, kidney and the liver and the lungs and the heart. And I will use that for my own lunch. Um, Or when I feel like perhaps I haven't had liver for a while and I want a boost, I'll, I'll get them out and I'll do that. Because it's just, it's really nice to have that one sized portion that I can just slot in. And, it, and just for me, probably a little bit selfish here because I love chicken liver, <laughs> so I keep it for me. Um, so generally, that's what I do with the inside bits, apart from the head and the neck, which go into my broth. Um, do you do something different with yours there?
0: Um, yeah. So I really want to see how you. I'm, I can, I'm trying to picture how to stuff a head. Now I couldn't picture how to stuff the neck until you, you sent me that, or I mm. saw that picture online, and I was like, "Hey, ooh." Yeah. So with the heads. Um, Honestly, we never saw anybody using them, but since we were butchering own chickens and we're looking at, you know, poundage and we're like, well, this, we don't want to throw that away. So just start trying things. So we just started throwing them into broth. Now, the more time ah. I've spent with heads, I've seen a couple of different places that sell them. Mm. And I'm always curious to see how I really want to see how Flavio processes them because mm. everybody seems to process them a little bit different. And Gary mm. went through and watched all these videos online, trying to see how different people process them. And he's like, not mm. a single one of them is in English, which of course we love. Oh. Um, but I guess it's not that common over here. I don't know. And all mm. the other little homestead places that I know say, Oh, you just throw the head away. And then this, and I'm like, wait, what? That head makes some mm. killer broth. Mm. So always curious to see how people use the head um I pretty much what I've been doing is actually making a separate broth with the head and feet because it's a little more neutral so head feet neck a little more neutral and if you want to use it like in a sweet dish you know then you can like
1: cocoa. I remember or you telling like that. me that I remember you telling yeah. me that and I, I I have to do that
0: yeah but now really I've got so much of that stacked up I'm like whatever these are just all going to go into <laughs> the regular <laughs> stock so for my next round of chickens, I'm just going to put all those bits in with the whole chicken when I roast it. Okay. Um, And by the, by the by people, that is your Mm. jiggliest broth. So when you cook (laughs) your chicken whole in water, that is where you get that broth that I I took a video the other day where I was holding the jar upside down. And it (laughs) is
1: one of those this week with a pork (laughs) broth.
0: (laughs) Yes. So that's your jiggliest wiggliest broth. Um, And Your broth is wiggly in descending order from there. So the whole bird is your jiggliest. And then after you shred all the meat off and put it in your containers to freeze, I just take all the bones, scoop them up and throw them right back into the pot sitting next to me, add more water and cook it again. That's your bone broth, less jiggly, still pretty thick, but not um, going (laughs) to hold upside down. And then once that's done, um, you could have your feet stock after that, which won't set really. And then, um, I usually make one more round of broth and I use that to make the animals food. So,
1: yeah, like you said, we do have an episode on broth that we did recently. So go and find that if you're interested in broth, I'm imagining now a big lineup and a video of the jiggliest to the least jiggliest.
0: (laughs) 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 I also looked online just to see, it's really hard to find good broth I don't know if you've ever, I've never actually bought broth. I don't know if you've ever tried to buy broth, Allison, but um, it's actually the, the ones I found from the farms that sell these chicken that I like, they, some of them sell frozen quarts and it's $12 a quart. And so Mm -hmm. I was kind of checking when we do all the birds, when I cook these birds, I was weighing and measuring everything. And on average, I would say if you're really going for high quality broth, we're getting like six quarts of broth per bird. The birds okay. we're using are a little bit smaller than the average bird people would have, but I would say you know you get a couple of quarts of meat stock, and then you get a couple of quarts of your bone broth, and then yeah. if you're doing the feet, I always do the feet and head of multiple birds at a time just to make it worth my while. But mm-hmm. you're ending up with like one and a half quarts of that maybe. And the way I'm getting that number is put the bird in or your bones and cover them. Like don't fill your entire pot, double the size of the bones you've got. Just put your bones in and cover them. Mm. Yeah. That's what you get. So um, I added it up. And if you took your whole chicken, Allison, Mm. home, and it was, Mm. if you're getting one from your farmer, it's going to be what what maybe uh, for you, how big your birds five pounds so maybe 18 19 Mm -hmm. pounds in Mm -hmm. terms of currency
1: (laughs) yeah yeah about right okay
0: okay and ours are gonna run probably 26 to 30 dollars for a high quality Mm -hmm. bird over here take that bird home cook it as we said you know make your different stocks out of it shred the meat off so you've got for a family of two or three kids you can out of a five pound bird you could probably get a couple good dinners out of that if you're mixing it into things um and then six quarts of broth that's 72 dollars in broth that you just made right there 72 dollars yeah so and if the exchange rate right now (laughs) is one one british pound to a dollar 30 u.s you know then um that's that's a pretty decent chunk.
1: Yeah, what I was going to say is, don't go to the supermarket and buy those organic chicken breasts. Mm-hmm. Really, it's just there is yeah. no competition. The the, the nutrition no. and the cost savings that you will get from a whole bird are just incomparable yeah. to that to that chicken breast in the supermarket. Going back to what we were talking at, yeah. at the beginning,
0: and when you Amazing. remember that you need, if you're eating meat, one to two two ish times or three times a week, like, like you and I, I know we divide our proteins between like, we've got meat, we've got organs, you know, it's like, mm. not like it's all coming from muscle meat. Um, But if for every two times you eat meat, you're supposed to have broth like five times. Then if mm. you think about it, you've got your perfect
1: yeah, um, ratio. equivalency
0: right there. You've got, yeah. you know, a quart and a half or two of um, shredded meat. And then you've got um 6 quarts of broth and you're good to go. Wonderful. Yeah.
1: Wow. I'm sold and I was already sold but I'm I'm doubly yeah, sold know. now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And then once we once we finish cooking the bones, you know, I think I I think we talked about this on the broth episode, but you can mm. I count it even more. You know, we get another bowl or so of dog food out of that because our dogs mm. do eat some bones. And then um, you can dehydrate the bones and then powder them for your garden, for bone meal, which we'll probably do that in the summer, but it's too much power to try and do that in the winter.
1: And you get that little bit of fat as well, the schmaltz, which I love chicken fat. Yeah, which you use to spread on bread or cook your eggs in. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're
0: butchering old hens, you'll get um, eggs out of her too so maybe a whole mm-hmm. egg if you butchered her in the morning like before she laid um mm-hmm. and then you'll have um just all the way up the egg making channel you'll have eggs in different stages you know um
1: so you can use those yolks to make like custard or something. okay so they're just like normal eggs you can use them as you would a normal egg yeah
0: yeah like if if you get her if you get them in the morning before they lay you'll just have a whole egg in there whatever egg you would have gathered later in the day yeah and then um sometimes you'll have an egg with like a partially formed shell but for the most part you'll just have a ton of yolks so
1: um, okay
0: i wouldn't complain about that yeah yolks is my favorite
1: (laughs) bit (laughs) yeah i know i know it is Wonderful. And what do you use Cover? your chicken for? You said you put it with other things. So you're padding out kind of beans and legumes and stuff with it? Yeah. Um right? Yeah.
0: So in beans or in a, some kind of a grain stir fry like quinoa or rice, um, okay. we do soups and stews or make like gravies and serve them with biscuits or um, mm. pot pies. Uh, oh, yeah. I guess you can make those pasties. Yeah. Man, I'm always scared to say that word now. Um past <laughs> no, <pasties. like, laughs> Okay. Uh yeah. So usually you if you're eating meat
1: here at the house, you're not getting a piece of meat. Yeah, I get it. You'll have meat in something. How long do you keep that chicken in the freezer for?
0: Uh it depends on how many we've butchered. <laughs> um, but it just depends. Um usually we use everything within a year or less. So. Okay. Okay. So quite a while. Yeah. Wonderful. I would say generally even less than six months, just because that's the clip that we go through them. And I try to use them fresh as much as possible so that I'm processing them before they even go in the freezer, yeah. just to save time and touch time as, as you call it in the lean world. Yeah. Right. is that what you said?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Oh, well, we're getting close to time. Is there anything else that you <laughs> want to cover before we finish?
0: No, if, if somebody has questions, if we need mm. to do another episode, we will, because I know you and I both, well, I'm passionate about chickens in general, but yeah. um, we should do, if we need to do more, if somebody needs more information, then we're happy to come back and visit this again.
1: I can't stop thinking about the chicken pot pie and I'm thinking I want to explore yeah. recipes and that would be a really nice thing to share as well. So yeah, coming yeah. back to it would be great. Yeah, that would be good.
0: All right, Allison. Okay let's call it a morning and um i gotta go feed the chickens so
1: (laughs) good (laughs) job thank you to our patrons again and and head over to our feed if you want to catch the video of cutting up the chicken and all the other stuff we've got on there thank you very much andrea bye bye Thank you so
0: much for listening. We'd love to continue the conversation. Come find us on Instagram, Andrea's at Farm and Hearth, and Allison's at ancestral underscore kitchen. Until next time, we both wish you much fun exploration and satisfaction in and out of the kitchen.